لا 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 ما يسألون Oh, Matt's here. I got to go. The restraining order's in effect. Bye. Oh, yes. Now, I'm hoping for Matt's benefit that this doesn't somehow negate the uh, the, the protective order. Because <laughs> that's why, uh, what's his name? Vic, what's his name? Uh, refused to come on because he was afraid of that. Very funny. <laughs> Matt, Matt seems like, to be what? very brave when it comes to you and your uh, your fatal attraction ways. I don't have... My- my condition was Bill would have to have a book ready, and I assumed that would never happen. <laughs> hey, so I, I thought I was safe. <laughs> the odds were ever in your favor. Yeah. <laughs> the links I will go to be on a podcast with Matt. Uh, yeah, yeah. I started a whole new one just to invite me on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there we go. Exactly. <laughs> I don't know if he likes anime, but I bet he would if I started a show. <laughs> <laughs> and once we start the Grim Jack Xanadu podcast, I'm all in. <laughs> While playing Gorf. Well, yeah. See, you leave me in the dust on this stuff, though. <laughs> the old man. The old man can't hang. Well, you know, I, I got to admit, you know, because because you know, Bill Bill is is constantly. You don't know how much I edit out of him talking about Star Wars and character. Oh, really? Oh, and I was talking to Matt and Matt and Matt and Matt and Matt Matt Matt. <laughs> oh, come and on, Star Wars and character. So I've listened to plenty now, and, and you guys leave me in the dust on that, too. I mean, sometimes you talk about stuff, and it's like, I have no idea what you're talking about, but it's hilarious. Oh, yeah. Well, that's 98% of our listeners have no idea what we're talking about most of the time. And then you get to the trivia section, and, you know, you guys don't get it, and you say, yeah, it's crazy. Nobody will know that, and I don't know it. And then I can hear from all the way from uh, Orlando, Scott yelling out yeah. that he knows it. Yes, well, I have a list, a running list of texts from Scott telling me exactly which ones he knew that I did not. He knew the trash compactor number. He's told me. He told me oh, yes. twice this weekend. <laughs> I knew that. And I was like, really? What's the number? And he goes, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, okay, all right. Did you see yeah. our, our our parking space number we got? Yeah, 1138. Yeah. That was cool. Where was that at? That was right downtown was Tampa. Tampa. That's right. Yeah. How yep. was Tampa Comic Con? I've never been to that one. That was pretty good. It was a lot better. I went to one years ago, and they had it in just like a small double tree hotel. And I guess there was a few years back that they did it in a hotel, and it, they ended up having so many people in there, the fire marshal had to shut them down and wouldn't let anybody oh, wow. else in. Shut so them all down. Shut it down. Shut it down now. So then they had it's to go. True, this and... man has no dick. <laughs> exactly. I'm sorry. I got to at least keep up when I can. <laughs> so so yeah, this this was. Pre- uh, I don't know if you saw from some of the other pictures that Scott might have put up, but it was it was a pretty big venue. You know, it's it's the Tampa Convention Center, and from what I heard from other people was that this year they had, compared to last year, they had like the whole bottom, uh, the whole floor underneath the third floor, which is where the main con was at. The whole second floor below it was full of panels, which they didn't have last year. Like they took up the whole floor uh, with the with the numerous different ones that 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 they had. We didn't actually go to any. We were we were kind of we were really busy. Right. Gotcha. Yeah. Except when we had to sit down and like, hey, there's not a panel in here for an hour. Let's sit down because God, you, we're tired. You didn't co-host any uncomfortable panels with Aaron Gray this time. <laughs> no. Oh, okay. Hey, I didn't co-host that one. I just sat in the oh, audience. That's true. That's true. Yep. And watched just like you. We were we we're, we're just back there having a good old time. 
need an adult, please. <laughs> I'm being sexually harassed by a 64 year old woman. Yeah, I, was, I like it. Oh, sorry. <laughs> that was one of those dreams that came true, and I wish I hadn't. <laughs> well, at least she looked pretty good for her yeah, age. For her age. <laughs> blah 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 blah. Is it, who said that? I, I I did. I went blah 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 oh, blah. I took because if Matt did it, then I, he wouldn't have to get a lie out of him. Oh, oh well, no. I have to do that. It's a yes, prerequisite. I can do it. Okay, so is, is it any particular tune or just a law? A couple laws. Don't you? Li- I thought you. You know, see, so you've been lying. You don't listen to the show. Oh, it's like la 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 la. I don't know. I usually fast forward past that part because it's on every episode. <laughs> I hear Bill blah blah blah. Didn't bring a book. It's not my fault. And then Paul starts talking. Then I listen. <laughs> okay, you know what? I can't argue with that kind of logic. <laughs> <laughs> So, all right, we might as well bring this in. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Back to the Bins. We have temporarily had the restraining order lowered, and I am somehow able to be on today with Dr. Bill Robinson. Hello. And Matt Hunsworth. Hello. And if you don't know Matt from his show, Star Wars in Character, you're missing out on some real fun stuff. I didn't know Matt from Star Wars in Character until, I guess, what was it, last summer, I guess, I started listening? After you guys did... uh, Conjure. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Mm. Yeah, I think that was that last. That was last. That was just yeah. That was, that was this time last that, year. Yeah, that was almost exactly. That yes, it was a year ago. Yeah, it was August first oh, to third. I'm looking at the uh, um, the pass hanging here with your picture. I mean, um... <laughs> yay. <laughs> so it was right about a year ago that Bill started just blathering on about his Matt love, <laughs> oh, and uh, that got me to listen to Star Wars a... character. And I got to tell you, I was hooked on the show immediately. It, it, it's Excellent. So if anybody oh, does not listen you. to it, uh, I wouldn't suggest giving up back to the bins to listen to it, but <laughs> certainly listening to both wouldn't, wouldn't be a bad idea. The only thing I can say is that every time someone's assigned a character, they bring a character. Hey, I never get assigned a book. <laughs> oh, that's true. And that's the problem. Perhaps if we did assign them a book. If it was an assignment, it would be different. It's kind of like a suggestion. Maybe. No, I got I I understand now, Bill. Now that I've I've sat and done the research for this show, I mean, it must have taken me. I mean, we're talking like almost twenty minutes to do, so I can <laughs> totally see why you struggle to get this every week. Hey, I you, mean, I, you I totally feel know. for you. Hello, hello. Tune in Tokyo. Are you? Hello? Have you guys started the show yet? Yeah, you missed my best Bill joke. It's the only one I had ready all night. Damn. Well, we're pod bombing you guys. Dang it. <laughs> pod bombing. Are you are you doing dinner for geeks right now? We're recording Jennifer Geeks right now. We decided to pod bomb you guys. <laughs> oh, that's that's pretty cool. Uh, what, Ryan's not there, right? Uh, Ryan, Ryan no, my, my, is my, here. My, but... my cousin, my cousin from Canada, Tim, is here. Hey, I'm in. <laughs> hey, Paul, are you get still kicked out of this restaurant? <laughs> Paul, are you still recording? Because I yeah. don't know if I certainly hope I'm recording. Well, I don't know if that call would have cut off the call. <laughs> It says it's still recording. Okay. Oh, we barely we, hear him out there. All right. Well, what, what did Bill pick tonight? I'm just curious. Uh, maybe a little con number two, page seven? <laughs> we don't have time enough for him to do a whole to page. You have time for that. I've got an entire hey, issue of just. I've got an entire issue of Justice League to do. Oh, an entire well. <laughs> Everybody brought their sleeping bags, right? <laughs> Back to the that's, that's all right. Yay! That's all right. I got Jeff over here. Jeff's like the world record holder for the non-bill summary of an issue. Wait, oh, you ain't oh, heard yeah, nothing yet. He did do fairly brief on Spawn. But though. I made up for it with my son. Yeah, yeah he, was, he was brief the other time. Uh, what's, what's your topic of discussion tonight? 
um, where the hell's Ron? And should we pod bomb back to the pits? <laughs> well, you know what? You, Ron is and, probably yeah. out looking for, for so, somewhere in the world where they fit his definition of barbecue, is my guess. And, and, <laughs> it's not Ryan. It's my cousin Tim from Canada. Hey, yeah. Stop it. <laughs> and Ryan refuses to be on your show. It's, there, there's somebody named Ryan on your show? I forgot. I don't think I ever heard him. No, this. It's not Ryan. It's someone else. That's all. It's my cousin Stop. Tim from Canada. Stop. Stop. All right, we're leaving you. Uh, well, it's been fun having you pod bomb us. All right, pod bomb. Later. Oh, that was fascinating. I think I've ever been pod bombed. Yes, I've never heard that before. It's like it's like all roads are uh, converging tonight between third uh, third degree burn and and dinner for geeks. Star Wars in character. Back to the bins. You know, Scott should be home about nine thirty. He'll probably. That's right. Up. Yeah. <laughs> hey, what are you guys doing? That should be just enough time for me to come up with another bill joke. Damn. <laughs> they, they usually see. They usually come flowing right off my tongue. <laughs> I have no no problem coming up with bill jokes. Oh, you do observational humor. I see. <laughs> so what I was what I was going to ask you, I, did we we did get through the introduction part, right? Sure. Before we got interrupted <laughs> by the pod bomb, but uh, what I wanted to ask you is, was because my familiarity with you, you know, is mostly from Star Wars and character, and you know what you put on Facebook and stuff. Uh, but what's what's your comic focus like? What do you, what do you get and what what do you follow? Not as much as I used to. I used to get just about anything that looked even remotely interesting. In my youth, up until my probably my early 30s, then I got married, and then I got thinned out a whole lot. But now, thanks to digital editions, I'm kind of slowly getting back into it. Although, I'd say my first choice of following issue by issue is the Star Wars series is not panning out for the best because I am <laughs> not all that enthused by it. So I was going to uh, ask not, you about that. Yeah, not so great. But now that it's older issues and things that I haven't been able to read from when I stop collecting or becoming more and more available, I'm kind of, instead of going with uh, oh, what am I trying to say, new releases, I'm just kind of catching myself up. So the, I don't know if that really gives you a specific answer, but that's that's it's kind of a shotgun history, really. It's, it's like the, uh, I'm going to give a really vague answer, because if I'm very specific, Bill might be able to find me. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. I did, I did block out all my windows before I set up my recording. Yeah, but I, I, I mean, from the same point of view as what you're saying... I think that's why I'm locked in on this thought of looking for 25 cent bins everywhere because okay. there's a ton of stuff from when either I wasn't collecting or when when I've slowed down collecting as my kids were born and stuff. Uh, there's, there's a ton of that out there that can be found in 25 cent bins that's just as entertaining as what's coming out now. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't seem worth spending 4 and $5 an issue when for that same price I can get 20 20 books or 25 books, you know, it's yeah. just not, not worth it. Right. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thanks, Bill. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Bill. Yeah. Put the picture of Matt down. <laughs> and what do you got a camera on me? Cause I got two on you. Oh, sorry. <laughs> surprised you have enough bandwidth with, with all the cameras you have around. Matt. Sucking house. it down. <laughs> hey, Hey, there's a cat by your back door, Matt. You mean, uh, uh, I don't even know where to go with this now. Yeah. <laughs> I think I was going to stumble before we were pod bombed. I was going to say something about some of the books I got at uh, Tampa Bay Comic Con. You started at, talking about like the recent books that were marked down to a buck or whatever. Yeah. And then um, Scott, I mean, with some of the stuff with the 
with the sale bins, especially at the con, which was funny. We only found like one, two places out of that whole con that were selling um, books for a buck. And once we found that one place, we were just digging through it. And I got stuff that I, I didn't really even have a big interest in. But I'm like, you know what? It's only a dollar. That's why I got all those um, the uh, commandies. Because I'm like, they're only a dollar. Screw it. I got like nine or ten of them. I think 11. Are they Kirby commandies or after he left? Uh, one or two of them is. And then it changes. I can't remember who the guy was that who the next one. But yeah, one or two of the first ones that I got. It's like issue 16 or... 20 something and those those were kirby's and then it's in like the 30s and the 40s i think so 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 yeah those and i and i used to collect the justice league and there was like about a stack of eight or ten of them there so i grabbed those and then i just grabbed a few odds and ends and i actually found a a book still on the shelves captain america and the mighty avengers number nine i got it for 50 cents at one place it was just in the in the 50 cent bin i was like you sure this should be yeah yeah i'm like okay i'll take it so that was my haul on books. Mm. Well, mm. I mean, at, at, at Eternal Con, we had like no haul of books. I mean, I Eternal Scott... Con was weird because I think it was with the – the only thing that was weird about, about the con is it was hard like the flow against the flow of traffic at, at, at that con. You had to kind of keep moving it seemed like or else you would just get – or you had to like slam yourself up against the railing. It felt like walking around the wheel at Midnight Express. Yeah. <laughs> if you know that scene. I get it too obscure for you. Uh, uh, a little bit. I know the movie, but I had to think for a second. It's like being but, on the outside lane of the roller skating floor in Xanadu. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There skate. we go. <laughs> well, I can never roller skate. I can never turn. I could only go in a straight line, and when I had to turn, I could. I could never do that. Cross one leg over the other because it scared the hell. I'm like, I'm not picking up and standing on one leg with wheels on it. I'll stand on two legs with wheels on them, but I'll be damned if I'm going to pick my leg up and cross it over. So the, in order to turn, I'd have to shuffle my feet to be able to turn at the roller skating rink when I'm back in the uh, 80s when I was uh... – all right, I'll stop now. <laughs> you know you just made a clip there for me to put the, at the end of episodes, right? Oh, well, that's, that's what I'm here for. I think right now Matt's sitting there just saying, what the hell did I have to be on the show for? <laughs> when do we talk about comics? This is talking about comics. (laughs) I know. You're right, actually. (laughs) That's the only thing I could come up with. (laughs) This is how we talk about comics. True. We get there. We get there eventually. (laughs) By way of Xanadu. (laughs) Yeah. All roads lead back to Xanadu. Is anybody reading anything in particular lately? Because I've been uh, been on a West Coast Avengers run lately. Wait, 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 wait. See, they need to remake Xanadu, but it'll be like two guys that want to open a comic book store. And it'll be like that big drawn out scene with the with uh, the tubes and then like the forties dance mix. You know they'll have like the two versions of the store c- coming together. Paul doesn't probably get this because he's never seen it. Ha- have you seen the movie Xanadu? I saw it when it was on HBO as a new release on HBO once. Wow! And I really didn't think very highly of it then, and never bothered to see it again. So you so you would be the Gene Kelly guy with your version of the comic store. <laughs> I shouldn't okay. get this, but I do. <laughs> <laughs> just wait till just wait till Bill starts his new show, Xanadu in character. Uh, oh God! We did an episode on our on our eighties movie podcast on Xanadu, and actually, uh, it, when yep. uh, when I tried when I when I watched it for uh, the nostalgia factor and for the whole I don't know what you would say the history of what it was, it actually wasn't that bad of a watch. I hate to admit. Well, my, as my memory is. 
I, I would put it as similar to the movie Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club with the BGs and Peter Frampton. Oh, God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've only ever I, seen that once, and that was decades ago, but I can see where you're going. I went on a first date to that movie. Wow. Never had a second date with that particular girl. <laughs> Can't imagine. <laughs> Scared her away. <laughs> Did I ever tell, tell you um, I used to have a cassette tape? I might have t- told the story on Biz before. I had a cassette tape of Xanadu. And I had one of uh, Yes 90125. And I used to play them over and over. And at the same time I was listening to those, I had a back in back in the day, I had a large run of Justice League books. And even to this day, sometimes when I see those particular Justice League books, I'll pop in in my head. I'll play the Xanadu music or the Yes music or vice versa. Like if I hear the music, I'll think of the comic. I guess you can actually can brainwash yourself as a kid. I guess maybe, and that's real <laughs> life with Doctor Bill. <laughs> now, there is definitely an element of connecting the senses when it comes to the nostalgia factor, and that, that's that's why I think uh, like that that mildewy smell from the old bookstores. Oh yeah, which is not a good smell, but it makes us all kind of smile and think good thoughts, even though it's a kind of a gross smell. Even though you're inhaling something that's probably pretty <laughs> damaging to your health. <laughs> you're you're taking so in toxic smells <laughs> these books and are, smiling like a, these oh, books well, are decades taking old. all the spores. Mm, yes, but, but just... there is there is definitely a you know an interactive element there where you're connecting the senses and and you you know it gives you that nostalgic feeling. Mm-hmm. So I I could definitely while I cannot relate to the Xanadu soundtrack, I can understand your uh, your point there. I mean, in the Xanadu soundtrack, there's a lot of ELO on there. So oh yeah yeah that's oh, great. I. I am an ELO fan, so I was a big—I don't know if a big fan. Maybe that's a bit of an exaggeration, but I was much more of a fan of the soundtrack before we had sat down and really reviewed the movie. I mean, I'd seen the movie before, but the soundtrack is always what stuck out more for me than the movie. I have no idea what this has to do with comics, but other than breathing in spores and damaging our lungs. Well, see again, Matt. That's the beauty of Back to the Bins. <laughs> that's true. That is this true. This is how we discuss comics. That's true. It's a blend of comics, nostalgia. And nonsense. Obsession. I will say, yeah, actually. Nonsense. Am, yeah, nonsense. Freaking Wikipedia. But the, uh, what was it? The I guess it was the latest episode of Back to the Bins. Uh, Scott and Scott going off about the younger generation's opinions really actually gave me some good information. I was like, that is great. The whole, uh, if you weren't born to see Star Wars, the original run of Star Wars, three Star Wars in real life in a theater, I don't want to talk to you. It's like, that is going to help me out of a lot of things at work. <laughs> well, I think, I think, you know, I mean, we, cause we had that whole conversation and we, we've had that conversation a couple of times, but you know, I mean, there does have to be some perspective to it. Right. Uh, you know, I, I, like I said, I, I think that when you experience something that was new like that, you do have this sense of ownership of it. That doesn't mean that other people can't, Develop a sense of ownership, even though they weren't alive when that went on. My uh, my eighteen year old son is going over to his buddy's house tomorrow, and I think like five of them are going to sit down and watch all six Star Wars movies consecutively. So are these consecutively or numerically consecutively? Uh, he asked me my opinion on it, and I told him go release consecutively. Okay, but you know, I mean, he knows all the movies. It's not okay. Oh yeah, yeah, I assumed he had seen them before. But he he was curious. asking which way, you know, since they want to do it as a marathon, he asked which way I I suggested. And I said, I suggested you, you start with four and then work your way to three. You need a little nap after six hours. Phantom Menace gives you a perfect opportunity. 
Me's oh. sleeping. <laughs> See, did you? I, I don't know if you listened to uh, Trentus Magnus. Some of them. I haven't did, heard the whole run. Uh, the one on the Phantom Menace. Yeah. Did you hear his theory on uh, on Jar Jar? No. That, yeah. That yeah. It, you know his his theory, and I don't know if this is spread among other people as well, but I, I heard it from him, so I'll credit him with it. Uh, he said, you know, that he, in his opinion, he thought thinks George Lucas thought everyone would love Jar Jar. And that mm-hmm. in the third oh, yeah. movie, when Anakin turns, that the big thing to make everybody hate him was going to be to have him kill Jar Jar. But with Jar Jar being as hated as he was, mm. he was afraid the audience would cheer. So he killed children instead. <laughs> so instead Yay. he killed the younglings. Oh. Ew. I found that to be an interesting theory. That and I is can't interesting. off the top of my head say that I think it's wrong. Right. I can see George. That's the voice. That's the line and the voice I had in my head, actually. <laughs> Don't like Jar Jar, then he's going to kill children. <laughs> <laughs> I'll show you. <laughs> Duly Lucas is here. <laughs> <laughs> Look at Matt. You, you can practically hear him riffing, riffing up the protective order as we're talking. <laughs> <laughs> yes, practically. Not literally. Or figuratively. I was going to say, or back figure- last episode. <laughs> yeah, which, which, liter- which literally do you mean? Yes, whichever one keeps Bill at bay. <laughs> <laughs> whichever one keeps him in Tampa. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I, I thought that was a pretty interesting thought. Uh, it is. And, and, and quite possibly could be true. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, you know, my own personal opinion is, you know, George, George Lucas was very creative, but needed, much like Jack Kirby when we've talked about him, you know, needed someone just to rein him in every once in a while. And the more power he got, the less he had somebody to rein him in. Yeah, exactly. He didn't have the team of, well, he didn't need it either. He wasn't having the studio forced decisions or force people upon him to help with decisions. I mean, he did this all himself. And this is, that's what you get when he, that doesn't have anyone to look over and say that's probably not the best idea. Yeah. Does he really want to do that? Yeah. I mean, I like the guy. I get I get accused of bashing him a lot, but I don't bash him personally. I just can't stand the stories he told in the prequels. I mean, as a person, I've said many a nice things about him, mostly about his uh, philanthropy. Uh, what's the film? Is that right? Philanthropic work? Whatever word that yeah. is. Yeah, Giving away money to kids and stuff and the education. Doing the educational stuff that he does. That stuff. But uh, yeah, I just disagree with almost every decision he made in the prequels. And I mean, I wouldn't even go that far, but I definitely disagree with a lot of them. Yeah, well, uh, I'm sure I'm sure everyone saying every is an exaggeration, but uh, it's just easier to say that than to pinpoint start listing the ones I disagree with. The other thing that just you know kind of gnaws at me a little bit is knowing how much he lied about how much he had planned out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I got this all planned out. You know, when he talked about having nine episodes planned out, when clearly he hadn't even planned out the first three yet. But I do remember when Return of the Jedi came out. I remember Mark Hamill being on like a local show in Tampa. Uh, well, you said but it, it hung like a, and then I was like, what? what? <laughs> hung like, like a yeah. No, 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 no. Okay. Uh, uh, on a show called PM Magazine, which I think was probably just like a, I don't know if it was regional or. It was syndicated because we had it in Philadelphia. Oh, okay. And they were interviewing him, and he he was spouting the line that you know maybe maybe I'll be back in thirty years and I can play an older version of myself. And I, I remember that. I, I I remember him saying that line, and I think it was in the, he said that George had a plan 
Whether George really did, I don't know. Yeah, George was plan was to sell it to Disney. Yeah. <laughs> For a billion dollars. Oh. Well, I mean, they basically asked that question at the San Diego Comic-Con. Did you watch that panel? Mm-mm. I saw bits and pieces when they all came out, and yeah, because basically Harrison Ford, they they asked him, you know, what you know, is this what you pictured it would be like? And Harrison, oh yeah, Ford, he was like, no. His answer was, I, I never pictured that I would be doing this thirty years later, yeah. <laughs> which is probably accurate. I mean, he probably thought after he did, uh, you know, Return of the Jedi that that he was done. Oh, yeah. But then again, he did do Indiana Jones four, so. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, any yeah. other bad prequels slash sequels you want to bring up, Paul? How about Highlander? You want to talk about Highlander? Uh, two, three, four, and the source. Oof, oof. I only two. saw the first one. Okay, good, that's good. that was Don't see the anymore. best move. Yeah, especially. Oh, I remember in the planet Zeiss. What the? Is <laughs> f- a planet Zeiss? What? Oh, sorry, sorry. See, don't get me started on Highlander two. And forty minutes into the movie, we'll write the line: When you go to Earth, you won't remember any of your life on Zeiss. Oh, that's convenient. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and you can call Sean Connery back whenever you need him. What? Oh, Highlander. Oh, I need more money. <laughs> Still waiting for that Zardoz 2 script. <laughs> I can fit into my... Well, never mind. Oh, God, no. That red... Oh, oh yeah. Maybe maybe Sean Connery will do the Zardoz sequel now in the shape he is in now. I don't know I don't know if it's true or now, but I, not, but I heard... Yeah, I heard he's, got, he's suffering from Alzheimer's. Alzheimer's. Oh, Really? Yeah, oh, that's too bad. I don't know if it's true. I've never seen anything documenting it, but that's what I've heard. Sure, that's why he doesn't do public appearances anymore. Sure, mm-hmm. it's not an excuse for getting away with saying it's okay to beat women. He didn't say it's okay to beat uh, women. No, he said once, some, once in a while they need to, they need a little smack to straighten him out. Right, and men do too. So, in all fairness, <laughs> you know, and if you look at it from that perspective, there's really nothing wrong with what he said. <laughs> <laughs> Because you know what? I know a couple of men and women who do need a good smack. Right. Men, women, children, even animals sometimes. Where's Alvin? <laughs> and Comet. I gotta watch those two. They're deadly. On with the show. So what should we do? Should we jump into the books or should we hang for a while? Why don't you guys talk? See if you can make up. Vamp. Vamp. <laughs> I don't want to talk to him. He's gonna get a restraining order on me again. And again. This one's good for a long time. Damn. We restrain you a long time. <laughs> so uh, when when we do do the books, we know you know as you may be aware, we normally do Marvel, DC, indie. Okay. But as a guest, I usually give you the choice if you'd rather go first, if you'd rather go you know last, whenever you want to go. Uh, we do the indie last. Generally, yeah, that's okay. that's the, the standard format. But we, I don't mind breaking format with guests. No, I don't mind going last. That's fine. All right. So. Uh. Uh, I mean, hearing the format is one thing, participating in it's another. So I should be nice and warmed up and in the flow by the time you get to me or stumble all over my words, which has been known to happen. I, well, that really would probably put you in the flow. Oh, OK. <laughs> if, if you're too smooth, I'm going to have to edit it to make it sound like you were stumbling a little. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> yeah. You see what he does to me. He, you know, yeah. He just chops me up. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's it. It's Paul that makes me sound stupid. Uh Makes it look like I don't bring a book. Yeah, see, I bring books. He just cuts it all out. That's it. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Anyway. Every week I'm bringing books. He brings books even when we're not recording. That's right. (laughs) I do my own podcast and they disappear. He just gets on and he just, he's everywhere. He's like a virus. The Spataro virus. It's everywhere. I'm like Skynet. (laughs) God, that's scary. (laughs) Like, did anybody did it? Did either of you guys see Genesis? No, no. I wanted to, and I just never got around to it. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm I, curious. I haven't. The only one who I spoke to about it was uh, Chris Tyler, and he he enjoyed it, which I also did. But it got such bad reviews. I'm wondering, you know, I wanted to hear from other people because I liked it. I, I got a kick out of it. Oh, mm-hmm. I heard the new FF movie's not doing that good. Oh, the, the reviews <sighs> on it are terrible. There was one review. I looked on Rotten Tomatoes. Every review was negative. There was one positive review. And it was so over the top positive that I'm thinking it was like somebody from the studio <laughs> put it up, talking about how from, the people were perfectly cast. Was that from Helen Keller, maybe, or something? Or was uh, Tommy? <laughs> from Johnny Headwound. But uh, I mean, every review of it is—it says it. You know, it's joyless. It's dark. The story doesn't make sense. I saw the FF it's once. Hmm? Once. No. <laughs> it. it you know, my my, my it. original thought was. I'm not going to pay money to see this in the movies, but my original thought was also that you know when it shows up on on cable on a channel that I'm already paying for, so I'm not actually paying out of my pocket specifically for this, that I'll watch it. And the reviews of it are so bad that I'm actually thinking I don't even know if I want to waste the time it would take to watch it. Mm. It's not not even a matter of the money anymore. It's just a matter a matter of you know the 90 minutes that I'll never get back. Yeah, you're getting old, man. You gotta you gotta parcel your time out wisely. Yeah, I mean, I got comic books to read in that time. I don't have, I don't have time to waste. You can read a couple of books or watch the FF movie. Oh, man, I'm, I'm in my 50s. What do I do? <laughs> I so rarely get to see any movies in the theater anymore. So I wouldn't say I'm very selective, but I mean, I'm selective enough that I this wouldn't even be on my radar at this point, I think, regardless of who tells me what about it. I've had a, a resurgence of my movie going. I saw uh, I saw Terminator. I saw Jurassic World. I saw Ant Man. I saw Avengers. I saw uh, Inside Out. I'm trying uh, to think if there's anything else recently. Only one I saw was Avengers, Ant Man, Jurassic World because my actually work paid to paid us to go see. Actually, it was like a little nice thing they did for us. They took us all to movies, so we got to see Jurassic World. Oh, that's cool. I wanted to see Mad Max. <laughs> I saw Mad Max. That's the one I saw actually on opening weekend. And then uh, Honeywell raves Park. about it. I, I I enjoyed it for what it was. I mean, it's not it's no Schindler's List, although <laughs> body count might be the same. But oh, I can't believe I just said that. <laughs> wow! Wow! Whoo! Okay. Even I'm surprised by that one. <laughs> I saw Jurassic Pro, uh, World by myself one afternoon and realized I'd seen this movie 30 years ago when it was called Jurassic Park. Yeah, it doesn't matter though. They could I keep, still like to tell. They can remake it every year, and yep. I'll go see it. You know, as a thing, you know, I didn't, I didn't have a single complaint while I was watching it, and it's like it wasn't until like way after the day. I'm like, yeah, that was, that yeah, was pretty much, yeah, that was a uh, Jurassic Park. But not while I was watching it, didn't never cross my mind. Loved every second of it while I was watching it. Yeah, it was, it was my my attempt at being a snarky, clever reviewer after I saw it when I put on, I posted on Facebook that if if you're looking for three dimensional characters, the glasses won't help. <laughs> That's pretty good. But if you want dinosaurs on screen fighting, you, you got it made. It's it's fine because because that's all I need, and that made me very happy. Nice. And of all movies to see twice, twice I saw Minions twice. I didn't get to see Minions. I was going to uh, see it with my daughter, but she went with her mom instead. Uh, see, now that would I'd I'd like to see it. I I saw it with my sister the second time. That loves those things. Like that's her thing. Is a Minions, but I saw it. My wife wanted to see it the week before, and we had seen it. We had it was okay. I mean, we had a good time, but I would have rather had seen it with just my sister or waited for all of us to go see it with my sister because it was much more fun with 
someone that was really looking forward to seeing it. I, I wouldn't say I was not looking forward to it, but it just wasn't my first pick for a movie. Yeah, I, I can, for, for the most part, I can keep an open mind and, and see almost anything. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I will walk away hating some of them, but, but for <laughs> yes. the most part, I'll, I'll, I will at least give most things a shot. And yet I feel no desire at all to give the Fantastic Four a shot. Yeah, <laughs> I know what you mean. Yep. Well, you're going to do the book there, Mr. P? I am. I'm just responding to a message I just got. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. Responding. I like to respond. Okay, anyway. <clears throat> so I got the Marvel this week, and I picked one of everyone's favorite books, Black Goliath number 4. From August of 1976, which has a cover price of 25 cents. Tell you what, Paul, when I saw that title in your list on Facebook and I did a Google search for it, oh boy. (laughs) Elaborate. (laughs) I'm not sure. I'm not sure. You you don't have the rating on iTunes that I think will allow me to do that. No, I can always bleep you. Don't worry. Just go. Run wild, my friend. Uh, It's a... The same. It's the same sites that took me to when I saw a uh, the snake with a black snake with a white ring around its head go under a work trailer, and I decided to type in large black snakes in the internet. And oh, okay. Pretty much the same I'm, sites. I'm, I'm getting up. more of a visual in my yeah. mind. Now. <laughs> I don't know. The title on on the uh, on the cover above Black Goliath says "15 Feet of Fighting Fury." Yeah. Yeah, I got that in front of me now. In fact, I don't know why it's maximized on my screen, but this conversation keeps getting better. (laughs) Oh, wait, mosquito truck, hear it? It's a mosquito truck. Mosquito truck. They drive around spraying, like, Malathion and Agent Orange. Oh, we we don't have those in (laughs) line. Totally not what I was envisioning when you said that. No, that was it going by. That was a driving outside. Okay, well, it had like this weird hum, and I thought it was like a kind of uh, vehicle I wasn't aware of that's now on the market. <laughs> like it was a mosquito, because it yeah. sounds like a mosquito. Oh, it's, it's a like, mosquito what is it, truck. A, a new French car? What is that? Is it they bring the car back, but rebrand it? <laughs> no, we need a mosquito truck. <laughs> mosquito. <laughs> what do you drive? I drive a mosquito. I'm, I'm picturing the truck in uh, Men in Black. Yeah. <laughs> Out comes Kingpin. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so back to Black Goliath. Uh the cover is by Jack Kirby and inked by Irv Watanabe, and it shows Black Goliath up on a building's edge, taking a punch from the stilt man and tumbling backwards, apparently to his death on the street below. The story is titled Enter Stilt Man, Exit Black Goliath. It's written by Chris Claremont, penciled by Rich Buckler, inked by Don Heck, colored by Bonnie Wilford, lettered by Annette Krowacki, or Kawacki, excuse me, edited by Marv Wolfman. The story opens right in the middle of an action sequence as three none-too-bright robbers are driving away from a heist when Black Goliath leaps onto the roof of their getaway truck and peels the roof back like a sardine can. The thieves open fire but have really, really bad aim and keep missing, with one saying, how are you supposed to shoot a freaking giant? Now, pretty much answered your question by asking that question, or answered, yeah, by asking that question. Like a poor marksman, they keep missing the target. Oh, you, you just, <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, I still... <laughs> you just, that's in my synopsis. <laughs> sorry. But I, you know what, I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> you have the power to edit. Make it your own. Oh. I'll, I'll, I'll leave Bill's stepping on my line in there, too. <laughs> So, as my synopsis goes on, now maybe I'm being naive, 
overlooking some subtlety of shooting firearms, but I would think that a bigger target would actually make the task easier. Exactly. <laughs> but what do I know? I'm not a gun enthusiast. Anyway, Goliath takes out two of the thugs, and a third pulls out, wait for it, an anti-proton cutter and opens yeah. fire. But, like a poor marksman, he just keeps missing the target. <laughs> so, That's hilarious, Paul. <laughs> it would have been a lot funnier if Bill hadn't said it first. <laughs> or maybe not funnier, but at least evoked some thoughts. <laughs> anyway, Goliath does some sort of kind of weird gymnastics and eventually disarms the dude. And at this point, we go into memory flashback mode. Goliath, in his civilian identity of Bill Foster, meets with his oddly dressed Geek Squad assistants and is told he needs to confer with the boss, Tony Stark, who is madder in a stirred-up hornet's nest. Stark is upset about a box that was stolen, but is cut off before telling Bill what its contents are. We now have three panels of an interesting story technique here, because during the flashback, the panels have rounded edges, which basically tell us these are Bill Foster's memories, and in the next three, the panels have like bold edging, which I guess is to show that it's part of the flashback that isn't his actual memory, which is just, again, kind of interesting. And they show us that some dude named Ballard cut off the conversation and not Stark. So we cut to the LAPD. Ballard, isn't he that guy that found the Titanic or something? Yeah. Okay. That was James Cameron. Come on. He just filmed it. So, we cut to the LAPD where Goliath is hanging with the local gendarmes and a local youth comes in to tell them that there's a bank robbery underway. Only one robber, but with a super presence, but a super presence will be needed. So we cut to a bad dude at that point away from that scene named Jerry Washington, who's chilling with his Hua girlfriend, Regina Claiborne. And it seems that he's the one who stole Stark's box that he's so concerned about. We got and a box. That, and that she's a hooker with a moral compass. So he rears back and Hank pims her across the chops. She leaves, he follows, and the box begins to glow. Next, back and to the bank. Paltrow's head. Oh, sorry. Spoilers for the movie seven. We go to the bank where Stiltman bursts through the roof to announce his presence with authority. Goliath shoots up in size, and the two trade blows in a very pro poorly proportioned splash page. <laughs> Goliath disarms him with a rock after that, but the police open fire unconcerned with whether Goliath will be collateral damage. What is he, Killer Croc? <laughs> That's what I was rock. thinking. The I'm sorry, did I steal another line from your story? No, I, that was, uh, no, actually, all you did was get the image I was hoping you would. Okay. And now you've, let every, you've brought everybody else in with you. So the two continue to battle, and Stiltman grabs Goliath, and then stilts himself high into the sky and drops him to his apparent doom from 300 feet up. Somehow, Goliath survives this by angling his body into a condemned building. Oh, yes. Okay. Somehow, if you hit a condemned building, the laws of physics don't apply. Well, they have more give to them than an active building. They're, mm -hmm. they're squishy. Yeah, they're, they're like a mattress. Yeah, it was maybe it was a condemned mattress building. <laughs> <laughs> meanwhile, uh, spirit. Meanwhile, meanwhile, in the halls of justice. <laughs> meanwhile, Stiltman has a hostage, Celia, the aunt of the kid who called him to the bank in the first place, and I'm guessing that he's Goliath's. She's Goliath's love interest at this point. 
She gets away by clawing at Stiltman's eyes, even though he has a helmet that protects him. But he <laughs> seems to have PTSD from his last appearance when the Falcon's bird Redwing clawed at his eyes. Goliath starts to give chase when Stiltman shoots him with his deadliest creation, his incomparable Z-Ray. And Goliath disappears along with Celia and Kevin, oh, excuse me, Keith. Stiltman declares victory at this point, the end. Again, is nope. that French? Z-Ray! Yeah, but that's, that's really like the end of this thing. Like they're gone and he's doing it, but they decide to eliminate any suspense at all by saying, Next issue, Celia and Keith are trapped on an alien world where their only thoughts are of survival and their only hope is Black Goliath. So they don't even want to give you the... They don't even want to leave you wondering what possibly could have happened to these people. Tell you right away, he just transported them to another another planet. So did, oh. did he transport them or shrink them down to, like, just shrink them? Like I think Dr. he transported them. Dr. Shrinker. Dr. Shrinker. I was hoping that since an X-ray lets you see inside a person, a Z-ray makes, lets you see completely through a person and they're just invisible. Hmm. That would be cool. That would be... That would completely not be what a villain would want because now Black Goliath could sneak up on him from anywhere and destroy him, but yeah, I mean, it, you never know. Would it make the invisible girl visible? Or excuse me, the invisible woman visible? Uh, I'm real, I'm stretching for a joke there. I can't get one, so. Yeah, I'm, oh, I'm okay. trying to think of something. But I'm, I'm, I'm drawing come, a blank. How come Black Goliath has no, 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 no midriff? He's Thank the, you. That is the one question that bugged me this whole issue. <laughs> He's trying to it's show like, off that six pack. Like, Check out the Mavs. Does it happen to be his flesh colored or is it missing? And if it, I believe it is missing, I guess. Yeah. What? That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I don't understand it's, it's, that. It's a very poorly designed costume. Check out my abs. Way it would up. make more sense if it was closed when he was normal size, because then you could imagine it's strategically cut to stretch with his size growth. There's no way to say the rest of this line without sounding dirty, but uh, yeah, I don't know where I'm going with that. So uh, <laughs> I'm just going to stop and say, yeah, it doesn't make no sense. Nah, to close all stretch, unstable molecules, that's the catch Yeah, I might oh. understand that whole thing, too. Unstable molecules, that's why my clothes can catch on fire. They don't burn. Suddenly I'm Johnny Storm as a redneck. Huh? <laughs> Look at me, I'm on fire! <laughs> so, back to the book, I guess. Uh, I kind of liked it, probably despite myself, because there's so many weaknesses to it that I shouldn't <laughs> have liked it. Uh, I don't know, it, it's... It, it goes to like what, what we've talked about when we talk about the pricing of books. If I picked up this book off the stands now and I paid like four dollars for it, <laughs> I, I'd want to like I'd want to beat somebody up. Well, but, you'd have a lot of story for four dollars more than you're going to get nowadays. That's, that's true. So, but for, you know, for the, even with you know even with allowing for inflation and and different you know price ranges and everything, at twenty five cents, it was fine. It was mindless entertainment. There's some, you know, some real silliness in there, but it's, you know, it's okay. It's 1970s Bronze Age silliness. I like the on page seven during the flashbacks to the circa mid 80s Carrot Top character making an appearance. <laughs> Where's that page seven? Yeah, that's remember the. Oh yeah, spot well, look, look at the outfits those three are wearing. <laughs> very, very strange. That's must be somebody's. Did did these people like win a contest or something, or are they somebody's? Hey, can you draw me in the comic? <laughs> that's his assistants. Thanks to modern day cartoons, too. Every time Black Elias spoke, I heard uh, Phil Lamar's voice. <laughs> yeah, I could, I could go with that. I, I would. I, I, I don't get the proportioning on that splash page. It really oh, bothered me. There's a couple wait, of proportion wait. issues in this issue. What if, uh, what if 
What if Bill Cosby was the voice of Black Goliath? <laughs> Go after this old man. Girl, see the Black Goliath. <laughs> he, uh, the artwork in this book is, you know, normally I love Rich Buckler's art, but it's like Don Heck inking it took it from, from Rich Buckler and turned it into Don Heck. I'm thinking, you know, Buckler must have given him some, like, pretty loose pencils because it allowed Heck to, to really yeah, impose his own style on it. I mean, these Heck look like Buckler. Don Heck drawings. Yeah. Don't put me to sleep with the Z-Ray. <laughs> the jello jellin', The pudding and the pop and the, the still man and the punching. I'm looking at that splash page again. It's just the... That's just... Yeah, uh, that's... Whew. Still, man, when he when he extends his legs, is not he, his upper body isn't supposed just, to grow to be in right. His to, upper body does not grow larger, so he that should, he could trade punches with with Black Goliath. If, yeah, I mean, if, if his he'd legs, still be a normal sized torso. Yeah, if if this were proportional, he would be towering over him by another twenty feet. So I don't know. Yeah, it's odd. Yeah, and then I'm looking odd. at he his, looks a little like Mister Freeze in that picture too. He does look like Mister Freeze, and now I'm staring at that damn patch of costume missing on this dude's abs again you checking out my abs <laughs> <laughs> what's in the glowing box what's in the box what's oh, in the box i have no recollection is it a cosmic cube it's gotta be a cosmic cube it's always a cosmic cube somewhere one of these 70s curvy books or one of these 70 books even on the very last page what's up with the way stilt man's standing there <laughs> what are you i think up? that's a sh- yeah, what's that's up a with shot that i was thinking of too yeah <laughs> What's and now my impression still- of the St. Louis Arch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, there's some, just some weird, weird looking art in this book. Uh, and, and some weird, you know, weird characterizations like, you know, how do you hit a giant? You aim. <laughs> aim and shoot. In fact, it's a lot easier because the center mass is like three times the size of what you're normally looking to. What is with that right, right, right before he shoots it with the Z-ray? What is with that fancy hand formation twist swivel in the air? What is that? Where what is that? <laughs> but be, before, oh, I see he's, it. <laughs> before he's doing the arch impersonation, before he shoots, he's like, bye. When he's, uh, wait a minute. Oh, and plus he's referring to himself in the third person. By the first to feel the awesome power of the stilt man's deadliest creation, his incomparable Z-Ray. And he's got his hand up in the air. See it? It's got the little motion to it like he's just swiveled his hand. He's, like, he's doing a karate chop on the air. He's going to hit himself in the head. Quang. I don't know. Uh, yeah. That's, I Kinda, did not notice that until you pointed it out. Like they don't need that motion thing in there. Like he, just his hand being up there is enough, even though it's <laughs> turned weirdly. But it's moving. It's, Looks like he's he's ready to give the Heil Hitler. Like he's he's directing traffic up there or something. I don't know what he's doing. Did a plane come by? Uh. <laughs> directing traffic. So I mean, did did either of you like this at all? <laughs> I didn't dislike it. I, I mean, I, I I I I'll be completely honest with you. I would have never picked this up. It, like I even seeing it in a, in a shop, but reading it, I was not. I was not a. Uh, uh, what's the word? I was gonna say disappointed, but I didn't have much expectations. I I did not dislike it. It was this was interesting because I knew nothing about this character, and looking at some of the oddball choice. No, I don't know the choices, but the artwork that just doesn't match up in perspective. Like I didn't even realize he was in giant or bigger mode during that car attack until he's standing next to a fire hydrant pulling the top off. I was like, wait a minute, he was a giant when he's on that car. There's like so seeing things like that kept me entertained as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was pretty funny when he pulls the top off the fire hardened. Pop like it's a can of beer. Like a can, yeah. 
and then he sticks his thumb in it and shoots him with the with the water. That's that, that's pretty cool. See, he he's another character, and I don't know how familiar you are with these characters, but like Mockingbird from the West Coast Avengers and uh, Ms. Marvel, uh, that they were existing characters for a while and then given a superhero identity later on. Oh, okay. Because he, he was actually an assistant to Hank Pym. Uh, hence, hence the growing thing. Yeah, when, when, when Hank Pym was, was Goliath and he was stuck at 15 feet tall and couldn't shrink because his body wouldn't allow it, uh, he was his assistant trying to work on the formula to help him to shrink. And this book probably didn't come out, for, or this, he didn't become this character, I would say, for at least five to seven years after that occurred. Unfortunately, Bill Foster was a casualty from Civil War. Civil War. Yeah, he Ragnarok got Ragnarok blew a hole he, in him. Yeah, he got a hole blasted in his chest by the cloned uh, robotic Thor. Maybe that's where this guy got his costume from. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, they were telegraphing. Chris Claremont was telegraphing all the way back in 1978 or 1976. Yeah, we're gonna blow a hole in him. Poor Bill Foster. And so far, he stayed dead. But who knows now with what's going on with the whole uh, Secret Wars, Battle World slash. Turn everything on its head. Who knows? Maybe, maybe we'll, maybe he'll be back. Maybe he will. We miss you, Bill. But anyway, giving this one some ratings, I guess. Unless you have any more notes on it. Mm, no, I will say the panel with the um, in that apartment is it's very strange. Everything is that superhero. It's it's got that uh, the I don't know if it's very colorful, but it's got the all the. The constant motion lines, the action and whatnot. And then we go to the apartment with the um, the hooker and the the other dude. Jerry. Not sure what he's supposed to be. The he's he's, a, he's a druggie because it even the says druggie. junkie. Yeah, that, okay, that's uh, Mongo, the junkie. That's the word. That's that's the word. That is. It's Mongo Jerry. <laughs> it kind of it it's done well enough that it brought all that action to a halt for me, and I was like, "What is hold on?" It took me a second to like figure out. Am I? Is this an important part of the story? Should I read through this or blow by it or what's going on? So it's it's very uh, different enough from the the storyline that uh, you you have your superheroes. You have your well, you don't have your villain yet, but you have your superheroes saving saving the day. And then you go to this, and it just it really did grab me. I will I will say that about the artwork. Yeah, very very big change of pace. There. Yes, but change on, of pace. That's it. Yeah. On on the the panel where he smacks her though, that is very amateurishly drawn. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. know, I didn't think twice about it until you pointed it out. Now I'm staring at it, going, "Wow!" Did, like the you you can't figure out how he would get any kind of momentum behind that slap. Yeah, I mean, somehow, yeah, but this whole I think this whole scene is something that gets played out in their relationship over and over because you can tell she's just saying things to press his buttons. Of, what were you fixing to do with that, Mister Master Spy? Sell it to the Russians? Shut your mouth, woman! Don't you make fun of me, you hear? All these characters Southern to use takes place in L.A. <laughs> oh, I'm trying, man. I know. <laughs> yeah, he was giving him a Mr. T voice. So. Yeah, trying to, to do. Shut up, Mr. woman. Mr. T doing a Fred Sanford impression. <laughs> well, yeah, that's exactly what I. Said, I was shut your mouth, you big dummy! <laughs> big dummy! You old drunk-eyed fool! Shut up, Esther. This is e- Esther and Fred, the early years. Actually, if you read his lines with Grady's voice, it's really funny. <laughs> oh, Fred. I can't do it. I can't really do Grady. <laughs> I don't think anyone can do it. I've never heard a Grady impression. Everyone knows the voice, but no one I does know. it. I know. He's like, <laughs> no, Couldn't be less like that. 
<laughs> hey, I'm Grady. Listen to me. I'm Grady. <laughs> I thought my Grady was bad until I heard Bills, which sounds like like a very poor stereotype of an American Indian. <laughs> hey, uh, hey, uh, hey, uh, hey. <laughs> so, I, I I'm looking at the cover, and it's mm. very weirdly laid out. Like, like Stiltman's legs in it look very strange. Uh, the color palette is a little different, to say the least. Green buildings. Green buildings, the, the black stars, background with the, with the light ground. Uh, you know, the bright blue on, on Black Goliath and on Stiltman. Uh, I mean, it does kind of pop at you, but it's not really very well rendered. So I'm going to say... I have mixed feelings on the cover. I'm going to say a C plus. The interior art is this may be the worst interior art I've ever seen by Rich Buckler, and I'm blaming that on Don Heck because they look like Don Heck characters. So I think he he Don Hecked them, but they're I have to give some of the blame on Buckler up. because some of the positioning of the characters is bad and the proportion on. On Stiltman, there's there's really no excuse for that, and the action sequences don't seem to have that kinetic energy to them. So, I'm gonna say a C minus on the art, and it hurts me to say that about a Rich Buckler book. And story wise, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say a B minus. It's it's kind of entertaining. A lot goes on in it, and I'm gonna give the book overall a C. Okay. Eh, looking at the cover. When I first looked at this, I thought, is there something wrong with the book? Like, why is the side of the book cut? And then I realized, oh, that's a building. Oh, the building, yes. It, yeah, I was like, what, what, did the cover get sliced? And um, I'm looking at the page behind the cover? Because that was just really weird, that whole way that building was there. Like, it didn't really need to be there. And it's, I've come to appreciate Jack Kirby. I mean, when I was younger, I really didn't like Jack, you know, I... I Kirby, yeah. But as I've gotten older, I've gotten a better appreciation for it. But this doesn't really do anything for me, this particular Kirby drawing. I mean, it's, it's you know, I'm going to give it probably a C- minus to a D on this cover. Uh, the interior is just uh, kind of crazy. Doesn't really, I mean, I've seen Rich Buckler stuff, and it's, it's been better. And like you said, maybe it's been all hecked up. And so for the interior art, I'm going to go with a C as well. I mean, the, but the story is kind of that. I kind of like that '70s fun with the story, so I'm, I'm actually going to give the story a B. So I guess overall, the book kind of averages out to a C for me. Okay. Well, I think I'm a little less harsh on the cover. I mean, it's it's not the best I've seen, but at, at least it doesn't break one big rule that I've heard you talk about on the show. That this does happen more or less in the comic. This scene, mm. maybe not him standing on the building getting knocked off, but they, these two do fight. So I. It, and I don't know anything about the characters. I didn't have any expectations of what this cover should be. But it's, like I said, it's not going to get me to buy it off the shelf. So I'll go with a just a C. I'm not going to give it the minus. I'll bump it up a little bit, give it a C. The interior art, if it wasn't for, I, I, I don't mind the style. What I do mind is the proportion problems that we have. I mean, it, when he's supposed to be gigantic, it, it's hard to tell that he's in that mode or whatever you want to call it and then when him and Stiltman fight it's just a mess from there but otherwise that's really my own only complaint so again I'll go with the C now for the story not knowing anything about this character I was actually interested 
on what happened next as I'm scrolling past each page. Like I said, the change of pace, I really like the change of pace in the middle between the artwork and the somewhat of the story, more of the artwork, but the story as well. And then in the end with the, with the fight and the not really much of a cliffhanger when you don't have a lot invested in the characters, but, but an ending to this particular story, it, it actually uh, held me pretty good. So I'll give it a, a B and actually for my overall average, I'll go with the, I'll, I'll give, I'll give it the, uh, I'll be the uh, apologist in this and give it give it the B minus. Yeah, that's fair. Cool. And and you 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 followed my the one rule that that I have in my own mind is you didn't just you know just throw grades at it. You, you had reasons for each one. Okay. Right. <laughs> and uh, you know it's not just arbitrary. So uh, I can't argue with anything you said. And it's yeah. not that we were that far off, off from each other anyway. I think right. What yeah. did I say is C. Yep. So. Yeah, we were all in the same range. Yeah. So, it would have been an A if he covered his abs. <laughs> A is for abs. <laughs> so next would be the DC if Bill had one. So I guess hey, we'll hey, I, the... I, I, I got a book. Get out. It's, it's yeah. All right, bye. Well, why don't you tell us about your book? Oh, sorry, this, oh, uh... your so-called book. <laughs> this is one of the books I picked up at the Tampa Bay Comic Con this past weekend. And it is the Justice League of America, number 191. And this information comes from Mike's Amazing World of DC Comics. Publisher, DC, because obviously I'm doing the DC. Cover date is June 1981. On sale date, March 5th, 1981. Cover price, 50 cents. And you know what? (laughs) I think I paid a dollar for this book. Are you serious? Did you get it at Things from Another World? No, no, no. This was actually in one of the cheap bins at oh, the gotcha. con. So, because everything else was like, like the lowest um, bin boxes we saw was two dollar boxes. Wow. And, and, yeah. And then we just there was one place that had like, it was five, five books for five bucks, where it was two bucks a piece. Mm. So you know we just kept digging out and digging out and digging about books and you know just to get the price down. So. Yeah, that's that's that's. I mean, cons is where you go to to fill in your big gaps in your collection. You're not going there to buy two dollar. I think Scott books. found. I mean, Scott found some good deals, but he found a lot of stuff at Yancey to where everything was a dollar. But you know, there was stuff in there that was marked down from that was like it's six five bucks that he was getting for a buck a piece. So mm. he was filling holes with his 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 collection. But but yeah, so I really broke the Professor Allen rule and I paid twice the cover price. <laughs> So Professor Allen is screaming right now. I thought I taught you something. What's wrong with you? Or what's wrong with you? Come on. You're buying twice the cover. You're an idiot. Goddamn idiot. <laughs> and the writer is Jerry. Bill's as hard on himself as everybody is on Bill. <laughs> Nobody's harder on me than me. There you go, Paul. You can isolate that and save it for later. And if you won't, I will. <laughs> I'll, I'll start hearing myself on your your your, your podcast for no matter. <laughs> the hell, that's would... me. <laughs> oh, that's such a good idea. Oh crap! <laughs> There's another one. <sighs> Keep talking, Bill. Go on. Uh, I need more. <laughs> Our writer is Jerry Conway, penciler. Again, we have another Rich Buckler book. Um, inker Pablo Marcus. Letterer Gaspar Saladino. Saladino. Dino. <laughs> Colorist Carl Gafford and editor Len Wein. On on the cover, we have the Adam yelling to Zantana to fight to uh, uh, to help keep Amazo blah, 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 
blah, blah, blah, yells to Zatanna to help fight Amazo as she realizes that her magic powers are gone. And in the background, the rest of the, the, rest of the league fight against Amazo, getting their asses kicked. Black Canary, the Flash, and the Elongated Man are getting trounced. And our title of our story is The Key Crisis of the One-Man Justice League. And the story starts with the villains of the piece, as the key using numerous key jokes and puns not seen since the likes of Vincent Price's egghead on Batman. Oh, no kidding. <laughs> sets his plans in motion, beginning with the teleportation of Amazo from orbit around the Earth. Amazo is none too happy as his blissful slumber is disturbed, but the key is no slouch and locks him up quickly. <laughs> Get it? Key? That's <laughs> enough. There wasn't enough. Thank you for adding another one. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. No problem. Two days later and several hundred miles away. That's the a key to good podcasting, Bill, by the way. <laughs> is you got it locked down. Is, is there a bear on the podcast with us? <laughs> Two days later and several hundred miles away, Zatanna is killing flowers in Central Park while waiting for Ray Palmer to arrive. It's pretty dark there. Just, you know, uh, you know, Don't you realize you only need one flower to play? He loves me, he loves me not. She's just using a whole bush. Um, once he meets her there, she tells him that she is losing her powers. Dun, dun, dun. Simultaneously, outside of Central City, the Flash takes out some hijackers of a commuter train and stops it the old-fashioned way, one foot at a time, by bracing himself against the train and beating his feet on the ground at super speed. Right. <laughs> Quickly after, he does a Family Guy Peter Griffin impersonation. <sighs> ah! Ah! And finds that he is losing his powers also. What follows can only be described as a montage as the remaining leaguers experience power loss. Black Canary's voice goes out against some thugs, but her kung fu is strong, and Ralph Dibney's stretching cannot be maintained by his gingold extract... <coughs> junkie um, addiction. Later, they all meet up at the Satellite Love and compare notes <laughs> on the loss. I I knew you'd get that. On, on, on the loss, and now the Atom can only grow to 24 inches in height. Yeah, That's what he, that's what he tells all the ladies. <clears throat> on board, Hawkman tells him that he and Shaira, his wife, have been studying the effect on the team and find that the natural lifespan of their powers has been diminished. What the to Hawkman, the answer is obvious. They have been affected by... Amazo. Speaking of our villains, back to them. We see the key being bathed in light from other keys, saying that his transformation is almost complete. Suddenly, the equipment blows up, but the key stands revealed and apparently whole. When he was last seen, he was the cutest little shrunken body bobblehead man you had ever seen. Now, though, he is back to normal, but not for long as the League has arrived thanks to tracking Amazo's radiation, and they are pissed. The key releases Amazo. See? The key releases Amazo. And the fight is on, like Donkey Kong. The plan is to engage Amazo and try to reabsorb their stolen powers from him. In typical Amazo style, he uses their powers against him, speed, shrinking, magic, sonics, and stretching until the tide is turned and they are able to overwhelm him with their returning powers. The key is afraid and doesn't want to return to his former state, but Zatanna, using the remainder of her major powers to help, uh, helps him retain his normal form. He falls to her feet, hugging her legs and kissing her hand, saying, thank you, thank you. Hey, I do that for free. Amazo is shot back into orbit to sleep, and everyone departs except for Ray and Zatanna, where she admits that she was losing her powers before the Amazo tussle 
and now that now she may be only able to man manipulate natural elements. To which Ray plants a tiny kiss on her sh on her cheek and says, "Zatanna, you're the greatest, baby." Oh, okay, maybe Jack and Gleason said that, but it fits here. The end. Next issue: the true origin of the Red Tornado. Yeah, I think be it's there. like the thirtieth true origin. <laughs> <laughs> the true, 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 true. No, this one is really it. No, honest. We're really gonna tell you this time. No, no fibbing. Yeah. <laughs> This, uh, yep. <laughs> that was the issue. That, that was, was the issue. That was, that was it. It's all done. And all I right, did I'm that gonna, tonight. I'm going to break that character there because I'm going to say I actually liked this. I thought this was pretty good. I didn't say anything yet. I mean, I yeah, thought... we're, we're talking down about it. Oh, yeah, that was the issue. <laughs> yeah, that was the issue. I do I'm, like I'm the gonna, art. I want to break that mood and say I like this book. I thought this I like was, the, this I was like a fun the, story. I do like the art better here than in the last one. This is ten times better, Rich Buckler art than in the yeah. last one. Yes. it's hard to believe it's the same artist. Yeah, yeah. I, I will. I will admit I did not give this the attention I gave the last one, and not to well, point fingers, but someone well, said it a yeah, I late. I sent it out a half hour, what a half hour before we uh, were going to come on. So yeah. I apologize for that. I got it as I was cooking dinner, and I I really was trying to read it as I was cooking dinner. Hey, look, a book. <laughs> Bill didn't bother. Picking a book until we told him he couldn't come on unless he. <laughs> I didn't get home until seven. I only had an hour and a half to find a book and synopsize it, and I had to go on Marvel Puzzle Quest. Right, because we, we weren't talking about this for the past two three days. It's not my fault. It was Locus. <laughs> so I, I'll, just, I'll just go with the John Belushi defense every time. Yeah, the the art in this is far superior, and, and I gotta say, that's the difference with Pablo Marco sinking it as opposed to Don Heck. Don Heck, yeah. But I, I also think that the layouts are better in this. I, I think Buckler gave this one more attention and care than he did on uh, Black Ola. I think the panels are definitely pretty, um, like on the second page, there's, you know, the panel layout's pretty cool. It's not. He, just he does that pretty much throughout the whole book. Yeah, there's they're, they're all at angles. Well, actually, on the third page, I could I didn't even follow. I'm like, wait a minute. I actually had to have the arrows to follow the story because I was like, what? What happened? Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, well, oh, okay, I see what happened. Because I read that top one, then I went down and went, what, that doesn't make any sense. To disturb me, but then preparation. What? Oh, to disturb me, then it, yeah, oh, okay, I read it. I was like, that makes much more sense now. Hey, who names their henchmen the key men? That's ridiculous. Well, he's he's definitely into the puns here. Is the key to proper planning. <laughs> As you said, and that, that's probably the biggest weakness to this writing is just some of those silly puns. At least he didn't replace like every verb or adjective with it like the Smurfs do. It could have got that bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's 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 borderline on that. But I, I just keep looking at the artwork in this, and I'm, it's it's so so much better than what we just saw. <laughs> I mean, the action sequences are far more dynamic. The the proportioning is better. The storytelling is is you know it's better. I, I don't know if the storytelling was that bad in the last book, but uh, the faces look so much you know. No, I don't just think the storytelling was, was was that much worse. I mean, it's just that I think the art just really threw it off. And here, it doesn't. The art doesn't draw you out of the story. It just well, I'm talking about goes the together. artistic storytelling. You know, yeah. as you look through oh, the panels okay. to follow the story, without necessarily reading the words. That's exactly what I was going to say. But because of of being distracted while I was doing this, there was large portions of uh, text I skipped, and I think. I got a majority of the story right up against comparing it to Bill's synopsis. Some things I, I, I made a guess on I was wrong, but not to 
the extent of ruining the story. But I think big, a lar- in a large part of that, because you could skip over some things, look at the pictures, and keep in following with the story and pick up on the next page. I was only wrong when there were the scenes with Satana in it, and in my mind I thought of porn. <laughs> <laughs> but other than that, I could follow it pretty easily. Uh, one, one Zatanna story I've ever had in my whole life was at a or at Philadelphia Comic Con, and Dave and I have been known to start drinking way too early at Comic Con because <laughs> that's just what we do. And a girl came by dressed as Zatanna, and I didn't either know or care what she was dressed as. And our friend Chris, who was sober, said, "Hey, it's a magician." She's like, "I'm not a magician." And I'm like, "Yeah, she's Mr. Peanut." And she didn't like that. <laughs> that was the that would be the fishnet Zatanna. That one, yes, I'm sorry. Yeah, not certainly not this one. Although I probably would have said something similar. Well, maybe not Mr. Peanut looking at the picture. Well, she, the, the, she had the fishnet stocking. She had the top hat. Yep, yeah, yep, yep, yep. All she needed was a monocle. She eventually <laughs> went back to that look, but this was, you know, while she was in the Justice League and they wanted to make her look more superhero-y. Yeah, and nothing says that like earrings that have Zs on them. That says it for me. Oh, yeah. I thought, that's funny. I, I, I'm sure my... I didn't actively think about it, but I'm sure my interpretation of that was that they were very, very shiny, and that was like reflections off of them. I didn't realize there were Z's. <laughs> well, that was that was mm. certainly a '60s comic trope, and not quite as much in the '70s. But you know that people would insist on having the initial for their character. You know, I mean, even Galactus had a big G on his belt buckle, <laughs> and that was for goddamn he's big. Oh, sorry. Which is just get out of the way. I'm Galactus. <laughs> See him getting dressed in the morning. Where's my G belt? <laughs> Where's my G? Where's my G belt, woman? Where's my, my super, super villain suit? <laughs> Where's my silver server? <laughs> Norin rad my ass. I don't know why I even would say that. <laughs> I don't know. Can't so we could have like uh, Jack Benny would be Galactus and Norin rad would be Rochester. Yeah. <laughs> Here's a planet, Mr. Mr. Galactus. <laughs> That's pretty good. I like that. It's <laughs> gonna try to do Jack Benny, but I can't do it. That, the Rochester, Norin, Go and find me a planet. <laughs> I don't know if that sounded anything like him. Did you, Bill? Were you the one that sent me the uh, the Jack Benny clip of with the him Christmas with, episode? Uh, uh, I don't know if it was me or not, but I know the one you're talking about with uh, Mel Blanc. Yeah. <laughs> Very, very dark. If, if you're not familiar with it, Matt, he, he goes to the store and he buys a watch for his, I guess, his assistant on, on his TV show. Mm-hmm. And he he keeps, like, basically having an, an, an a monologue to himself where he's downgrading the gift that he's going to give him. You know, he gives, keep, keeps giving himself excuses to buy cheaper gifts. Oh, no. So Mel Blanc, who is the salesperson, has to keep unwrapping the gift and changing it and doing stuff. And eventually he walks off the set and you hear a gun go off that he shot himself in the head. Wow. So very, very dark night. Yeah, I wasn't expecting that ending. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Yeah. There's, no, it, there's very no little Bugs Bunny ending, more with sure. the spirit of Christmas than that. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and yet funny. Yeah. <laughs> why, does, so, why, does, why does it? I don't remember Satana having a lobster on her head. Not sure. I mean, it's what? what is that? It's like a bow, I think. It's like an alien parasite. I, <laughs> It's like alien head hugger, mm. something. Yeah, it's kind of weird looking. It's like those two things that uh, what was uh on the X Men? Uh, what was it? Maggot. Oh yeah, maggot. Yeah, and uh, it looks yeah. like looks like one of the two maggots. That's what it looks like, yeah, yeah, I can't, yeah. Only red. 
Mm-hmm. Now, the only ex- exposure I've had to the key, and that's probably not a good term to use, being exposed to the key, um, is in a Justice League video game that came out for the PlayStation 2 a few years ago. That's the only time I'd ever seen this character. Um, so I don't really know how he became a little bobblehead man prior to this. I vaguely remember having read the issue where he was a little bobblehead, but I don't remember how... That's what he is. He's got the little body. The only thing is that, like his head stayed the same and his body is just... Looks <laughs> like hilarious. Yeah, four quad from Shrek. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, right. but I know Amazo is always coming. He's always plaguing the Justice League. I didn't know he liked to take naps or in orbit. Well, I don't. I don't think it's so much naps as I think his android body shuts down on him. Ah, um, he says, "Arg, who dares a who dares wake Amazo? Who uh, okay. was fool enough to rip me from oblivion? Like he wanted to be asleep. I mean, I know God knows I scream that out when people wake up. You know, who me. dares w- wake Doctor <laughs> Bill? Who dares wake? <laughs> yeah, I, I prefer to myself in the third person. You know, who is fool enough to rip me from the couch? <laughs> Right. You want to rate this one? Um, I'm just trying to see if there's anything. Uh, I kind of like the scene, even though it's kind of dark with the, you know, with smashing all the flowers um, in in the park. Especially the last one where she says, "I'm losing my my magic powers." That almost, and I don't mean to compare one artist to another. That almost looks like a bit of a Neil Adams look to it. That panel, do you think? Yeah. With the way they look, it's page five of the art. It's where Ray's got his hand on her shoulder and she's like in darkness. Yeah, yes. Either that, yeah, that shattered. there's definitely He's a Neil Adams vibe to that. Yeah, I agree. It, what did you think about the way he stopped the train? Do you call bullshit on that? Yeah. I don't understand how that stopped the train. What did he break his feet? I mean, come on. I mean, he's got super speed. He doesn't have super strength. You know, I could stand in front of a car and put my foot down in front of a running car, you know, really, really fast. And uh, I'm going to break my feet. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm sorry, Flash. I'm not buying it. But I mean, you know, I don't know. I, I yeah, I didn't quite understand how that. I mean, I went. I didn't spend long on it, but I didn't understand what what that was doing. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's that he does it so rapidly that his foot that cumulatively the cumulative effect. I guess. Yeah. yeah. That he's not putting so much pressure on his foot in any one step. You know, I mean, that's how you explained it, but I would yeah. still bullshit on it. And on page seven, if that is not Peter Griffin grabbing his leg, nothing else. Oh, I see. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> ah! Oh. Ah! <laughs> Black Canary, hot as always. She's always good in fishnets and little little ankle-high, thigh-high boots. Although it looks like that, that kick she's giving jumping off the boat looks like a someone took a Barbie doll and used it Whee! as the, the model for, the, for that <laughs> shot. <laughs> You, you don't know that he didn't. <laughs> and then, like in mid 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 scream, eh, eh, <coughs> too much cigarettes. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna do my canary yell. <laughs> I am black canary. How you doing? Hey, can you back. Spe- step back? Everybody, step back. Wait, <laughs> wait, wait! Can somebody spare a lozenge? Oh, <laughs> oh much better. Ah. <laughs> Elongated man's a junkie. <laughs> and that whole explanation by Hawkman is, oh well your superpowers have a uh, certain lifespan and uh, you know why don't you just say your powers are being sucked no because we had to fill two pages that's why so 
But anyway, okay. I'll let me rate this. The cover. Um, cover is Giordano and Buckler. This is a scene that's in the book, somewhat, um, and words that are said kind of in the book. So it conveys the point. It's not iconic, but it gets the job done. So I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give it a B. Uh, the interior art. I like the interior art. Uh, I like the panels. Uh, I kind of did a like you guys when I read through the first time. I just kind of like read through without really reading just to see how, if I got the flow of the story. Then I had to go back and slow down and saw how some of the panels went. So and some of the like so, some of the shots I really liked, like the one I pointed out that looks a bit of a Neil Adams touch to it. I do I do like the way they showed him stopping the train um, uh, where, where, where Flash is doing that. And the key is pretty interesting, even when he's the little shrunken head man. Um, I guess art, uh, I'm going to give the art a B as well. And the story is, you know, a good, fun Justice League story. A little crazy, a little goofy, a uh, little scary at the end with how much the key likes that Zatanna saved him. <laughs> so I'm going to give it a B as well. And uh, I B overall for the book. B for book. B for uh, Bill's book. I was going to be really funny if you gave it a different letter after a series of straight Bs. <laughs> B, B, B. So the C. whole book is a D. <laughs> Stupid book. <laughs> you want to go or you want me to sure, go? Sure, I'll go. I'll go. Uh, the cover, yes, it's it, it. Bill, you said something. I think you said representative of the issue. That is a good way to say it. It's This particular scene does not happen but it's pieces of scenes that happen throughout the book so that is i will count that as happening in the book uh it's uh drawn i mean i like the picture the imagery is good uh, I, i'll give it a b as well i don't have much bad to say about it i wouldn't blow it up as a poster so it's not an a you know an a category but it's a solid mm -hmm. b uh, the art inside the panels are awesome the panels are really really cool i did like that about this it was the artwork i think in a sense for in large portion spoke for itself where I didn't actually have to read what was being said. Case in point, the uh, uh, Black Canary fight scene, I didn't read too much about. I think I skipped by, I saw the uh, Flash telling what he was going to do and then didn't read everything he said in the aftermath of the, of the train stop. And uh, was there any real, those are the only ones I can really pick out, but, but, but there were parts that I, like I said, with the crunch time and, and being distracted, I, I did skip a lot of text and didn't miss much of the story. So the artwork is, is great. I'll, I'll go with the, I'll agree with you with the B as well. I now having discussed the story and hearing more about it and, and actually reading some parts I missed as we were talking, I wish I did take more time to have read this through. I probably would have liked it. Well, that's a lot my more. I didn't dislike it. I just didn't, I mean, it, it, it didn't, I didn't really have too much of opinion an opinion either way. So my story rating is pretty much based on our conversation. Uh, I don't know if that's a fair test to it or not, but that's where I'm going with it. I'm going to go again. I, Bill, I think summed it up perfectly with a B and all around. I'll, I'll get the book a B as well. Okay. So now it falls to me to be the voice of dissent. <laughs> uh, I like the cover. I like the artwork on the cover. I like the way the people are drawn on it. I like the, the anatomy. I like. I'm not thrilled with the color palette. I don't know. The orange doesn't really do it for me. But it's like a strange layout. I would. It's not something I would pick for the way to draw the cover. And yet, I really like it. So I'm going to say a B. Uh, the thing that jumps out at me is, you know, Adam is standing on 
Zatanna's shoulder saying, Amazo is clobbering our buddies. You've got to do something to stop him, Zatanna. Hey, what about you, Adam? Why don't you go do something to stop him? <laughs> How would you get off my shoulder, you little runt? Are you supposed to be a hero yourself? Now you're talking about layout. It does look like Zatanna should be moved up a little bit, and it would be all a little more symmetrical, maybe. Yeah, maybe if she was centered. Yes. And this were all happening like directly behind her. Yeah. Instead of her being slightly off to the side. Now, the interior art, I think, is... Even a step up from that, I think the interior art is really good. Uh, and I don't know how much of it I'm crediting to, to Rich Buckler or how much I'm crediting to Pablo Marcos, but between the two of them, they're making a great team on this because I think this is a superior book as far as artwork goes. And uh, the fact that you thought one of the pictures looked like Neil Adams to me says how, how good the artwork is in this book because Neil Adams to me is one of the true masters. Uh, I'm going to say... A oh, minus he, on it. He wanted thirty bucks for a signature too. By the way. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Really? Yeah. yeah. Wow. But if you bought a print, uh, you got the signature with the print, and the prints were twenty five. He, he had some Walking Dead prints that looked pretty good. Oh, really? Yeah, that'd be interesting. To yeah, see. he he drew the Walking Dead characters. Sorry to get on a side tangent. No, no that's that's all right. Yeah. That's what we that's that's what we do. <laughs> that's all we do. So you're that's building an empire on. But but I, I think this this interior art is great. Like I said, I, I'm going A minus on it. Uh, story wise, it's pretty solid. It's entertaining. Uh, it's got a beginning, a middle, and end. Although it does leave some you know some ends of it hanging, so that you can keep moving on. Uh, let's say B plus on the story, and overall, I'm going to say a B plus on the book on, as a, as a, on a whole. So I am the voice of dissent with you two B people. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that's yeah. it for our books for tonight. Good night, everybody. <laughs> oh, oh, wait. Do we have a third book? Do we have a third person? We do if you want to. Are we getting too late for you? Oh, no, I'm good. Right, I so just don't let's... know if you want to walk, talk about this book. It's. I always like Grimjack. It's interesting, so why don't we just get to it? We, okay. we we did some looking. I did a my Grimjack book was episode what was it one hundred and one. So that was only like my fifth or sixth episode in, and I uh, did like uh, the one where one where it introduces Sinosha, oh, okay. about the different yeah. um, the different laws of physics, and you know when you cross the street, you can change from street to street. When he when he chucks the bullets across the street, like. They shoot at him, they lose their momentum and drop, and he picks them up and he throws them back across the street and they gain their momentum and they're, you know, lethal again. Right. So, anyway, sorry. Side well, pick. I will say I, I used this opportunity to pick a book that I loved when I bought it, and I was 18 when I bought it. I mean, completely different person. And I was really, and I don't, I have not picked it up since then. So, I was really curious of how my much older self was going to like this. So, I don't know if that helps or hurts the show, but that was the, catalyst of me picking this particular book it so neither helps nor hurts the book show okay it's whatever whatever floats your boat okay so we're talking about grimjack 76 battle rock came out november 1990 by first comics cover price 225 which surprised me i don't recall having the money to buy two dollar comics when i was 18 but apparently i scraped it together when it came to grimjack because that was one of the only ones that i collected a full run of back in the day was this like towards the end yes this... there's only like 81 issues, so there's only five more after this. Did did they reprint? Because it was a backup in, what, Star Slayer? That's where it started. That's yeah. where him and Badger and was it Blackjack, yeah. all those guys came from, I think. Yeah, so did they re? I, I, I've got a bunch of Grimjacks, but I haven't been able to find them. So I, I don't know. 
but I've got the ones where they started in Star Slayer, but I don't remember if the first couple issues were reprints of those stories in those other books. I don't think they were, but I really don't remember. Hmm. I, I know they put out two omnibuses for it a couple of years ago. Oh, I didn't buy them. We're going to start grimjacking character. Yeah. Oh, I don't need to do that after reading this again. <laughs> <laughs> so written by John Ostrander, pencils and inks by Flynn Henry, color by Thomas Martin, and that's the only thing I could put together because this issue is a... Uh, as a rock and roll theme, as we'll soon learn, and as a really, little that, joke, that was too subtle. It escaped me. It, is yeah, it I know, right? Yeah, as a little joke, they put the all the credits as like music credits, and I had uh, I knew who John Ostrander was. I knew who Flynn Henry was. I had to look up the rest and couldn't place everybody with every role in this. So that's all I got for this of who did what. I would say Annie of Bennett would be the editor. Okay, uh, Gary Fields was the, apparently the colorist. And, and Martin Thomas, Thomas would be the, the letterer. Uh, was the letterer. Was it? Okay. I wasn't sure if I had those. I had what I have. Color says Thomas Martin, but uh, or Martin Thomas. But uh, well, that's usually kind of the order that um, every book they'll, they'll kind of. Usually the last one's always the editor, and it says producer. So and, well, the only thing Martin, they're leaving out here is there is no anchor, but apparently Flint Henry Flint did both. That, his own work. That I knew. That I mean, that I could find, and that I knew. I did that at the time. I mean, I was a real big Flint Henry fan. Only for this, oddly enough, I don't like. I don't think I like anything else he does, but I like him in Grimjack. I don't know why. Maybe it's the whole that this world is so out of the ordinary that he can get away with this art style and it and it works for me and it doesn't work for me when it needs to be a more grounded realistic type deal maybe i don't know that's probably a discussion for when i get to my review I not mean, that i'm avoiding the synopsis it's got kind of a the art to me reminds me a little bit of like some he- heavy metal some 2000 ad stuff i've read mhm so so, well, the cover art is an enraged James Twilley version of Grimjack standing atop a wrecked Marshall stack, swinging a demon skull and bone laden red bass guitar with some sort of a green energy trail coming out at a horde of zombies and at least at least a dozen classic and punk rock Easter eggs all over the place. I could recognize Dead Kennedys, ACDC, some Alice Cooper reference, uh, Ramones, Rolling Stones, Beatles, Guar, Aerosmith, Metallica. NWA, that's the ones that I found, or at least could identify. And let's let's not necessarily consider everything to be classic or anything, because there is New Kids on the Block there as well. Yeah, so, that is... Uh, it says New Kids on the weird. Clock. It says New Kids on the Clock. New, yeah, New well, kids, yeah. who do you think that's referring to? Oh, yeah. Well, plus there's the Pope in there. That, I was trying to rack my brain it's like, like, what that was like about. Pope John Paul. But wasn't there also a, did I don't know if Flint who did Battle Pope was that out at this time the comic mm, don't know that one mm. no Manilow Zone <laughs> yeah yeah I'm looking at the cover now so story synopsis I will get through this as painless as I possibly can so having recently killed his arch nemesis the Major Grimjack is called out of the city of Sinosia to keep an old promise he is traveling to the Philalamo the, where the heart of rock and roll is kept. Grimjack is there to rejoin his band and protect this its latest threat. This is in an area of the world where physics render weapons useless and music frequencies, drum beats, and vocals turn deadly. Grimjack confronts his old bandmates Big Man on sax, Lady Soul on vocals, Screaming Charlie Wah on vocals and drums, and the front man of the band, Johnny Winter. I mean, Johnny Miliboni. And, his, and Johnny's rune-carved Stratocaster soul singer. The oh, band man, that's of- such a riff on Elric. Elric? Elric. Yeah, Mel- Melon Melanison? Melanabone? Mel- 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 
Melnabone. Melnabone. No, Melnabone. Ah, I practiced all that, afternoon saying that, and I can't say it. I had Elric, to look that up. That's that's where Elric comes from. Yes, yeah. And okay, he gotcha. Had, and he had a, uh, what's the name of the, um, uh, of his, um, oh, Soul Singer. Yeah, his sword. Soul Singer in this, yes. His well, sword. Soul Singer is Aretha Franklin. Yeah, but no, but his sword, his sword, Elric's sword used to suck souls. Uh, okay, okay, yeah. okay. And it I wasn't was a black, at all until now. And, I got gotcha. you. And it was a black rune-carved sword. Okay. Yeah. Totally over my head and, until and now. And it was called Stormbringer, if I remember correctly. Stormbringer okay. was from Thunderstrike, wasn't it? Uh, no, I would think it was also Stormbringer. It w- All right. Whatever you uh, say. I'll, <laughs> there was two of them. I'll look it up. Uh, the band doesn't recognize Grimjack and his reincarnated James Twilly body, but after a quick rift on his trusty base, he incinerates a nearby cactus, and Grimjack is let into the fortress. Inside at the buffet... He catches up with the band. He learns that Screamin' Charlie has lost his voice and now goes by Silent Char- Charlie. And he meets a new member of the band, the keyboardist Roland and his head excitable boy. And it's at this point where I learned that John Ostrander is probably a big a Warren Zevon fan as I am. Hence why the head looks like... He is an excitable boy. Yep. Uh, he, he never mentions the werewolves. There's, I didn't... Because he's got the, first of all, he's a keyboardist. Second of all, he's got the uh, button that says, I love Genie, which I'm thinking the song Little Genie. Okay. And I'm trying to remember, I'm trying to remember what Elton real name is. Reginald Dwight. No, so that's not Roland. No. But I, I don't know why. I was I was left thinking that the body was Elton John with Warren Zevon's head on it. That so, could, that's, with all the references in here, that is not a... I would not surprise me. I mean, Roland, I immediately thought Roland Headless Thompson Gunner laughed at that. Didn't think any more about it, but that that is another level in there I'd never seen before. So the sax guy, that's Clarence Clemens from Clarence Clemens. Yep, absolutely. And Charlie Wah must be Charlie Watts from the Rolling Stones. Yep. Uh, Yep. And and then obviously you you already got Johnny Winter and Soul Sisters clearly Aretha Franklin. Yep. I love the fact that John Ostrander was able to write this tribute to. I'm guessing artist he likes and but it's sad to revisit it all these years later and half of them are dead mm. i mean zivon wait is it half yeah because yeah clarence Zivon, and, clarence Zivon clemens, and johnny winter that's right that's yeah johnny winter so it is the well the five of them because i'm counting i guess grimjack is six so more than half of them were dead so anyway where was i here i could probably sorry that's no, okay i don't uh, you were up until the uh, excitable boy with the keyboardist. Okay, so yeah, he meets he meets the rest, or he's ready to meet the rest of the band to defend the heart of rock and roll. But much to his dismay, that is it—just the six of them, or seven if you count Roland as two people. Uh, Grimjack sizes up the situation and asks who's attacking. Johnny explains it's the same old, same old agents, promoters. Record company owners, lawyers, and on any money grubber that wants to make a profit off of the heart of rock and roll. Uh, they're sending their techno robots, electronic voice, computer performers, and their usual bands of clones and zombies after the heart. Now, the zombie thing to me, I mean, zombies, they're everywhere now. But I, I, I thought about this just a little bit today. I was like, is, this was, correct me if I'm wrong, guys, especially in comics, zombies wasn't a super prevalent thing in the early 90s, if I'm remembering correctly. No. No. no they didn't really become super prevalent until The Walking Dead, which was 
What was that around 2000, maybe? That was yeah. uh, maybe a little later than that. I mean, because, well, well they're, they're about 140, 150 issues in. And lately they've been doing, they like, they, they, they doubled up for a while. So I would say 2003, maybe okay. 2004. I mean, George Romero's always had a presence yeah, in yeah. entire life, but it wasn't, it wasn't like everybody was talking about George Romero all the time. The only the other time. zombies in, in comics other than the walking dead would it be, um, oh, what's his name? Um, Arthur pseudonym. I said the, Su- the drunk guy that played the piano. No, uh, well, you're talking about Marvel zombies. Yeah, artist? yeah, yeah, yeah. That's after Walking Dead, obviously. Yeah, yeah. So he, the one who pretends that he has big long lines at Comic Cons and has to take over other people's tables. Yeah, he had a, <laughs> he he had a big he like hogged up a big area too. At, uh, and and he photoshopped a picture to make it look like he had more fans. <laughs> no, he did. You didn't see that? No. Uh, you you need to look. You I will look that up. You you that can find crazy. it. You can find it, and they actually have the picture that he had. And then they found pictures from the same con of these different people around oh, because so somebody spotted it out as like just not looking right. Wow. That I had not heard. I will look that up. And just for what it's worth, I looked up Walking Dead. It started in 2003. You're right on the money, Bill. Mm. Just enjoy that. You may want to clip that. I don't, <laughs> yes! I don't think I've ever said that before, and I probably will never say it again. Uh, mark, mark the tape. So uh, we learn what the harder rock and roll is. It's this giant fossilized lump of amber. Not much to look at, but inside are all the souls of everyone that's died righteous and rockin' in its name. And that is a direct quote. That is not my words. Uh, Grimjack nearly throws in the towel before the battle even begins. But when Excitable Boy comes back saying the enemies are at the gate, he joins in the fight. Uh, with danger looming, they take the stage. Silent Charlie starts off the show with his drums, which feed the anti-gravity engines, lifting the stage into paddle, battle position. The zombie horde moves in. There's the traditional count of one, two, three, four. The band begins to play, and a double-page spread of the energy power-created music is just showing all hell breaking loose, which would be an awesome drawing if it wasn't for whatever the hell that thing is in the lower right-hand corner. <laughs> like a cross between i don't know what and something i can't even identify a person in twisted sister but it's yeah that actually it's ruins the whole that's about it. yeah i mean it has a, it has a d snyder feel to it but it ain't him and it just ruins that whole otherwise uh, what i would think is a kind of cool action shot but that just i can't help but look at that whatever that is uh anyway this is my book and i'm tearing it apart already it's pretty bad although not the first time i've heard the show <laughs> yeah, there's nothing that says you have to give good ratings to your book. That's true. That is true. Yep, and that's oh, yeah. that's good. Uh, so the band play. The battle goes on. First casualty is the keyboardist Body Rollin. Frontman Johnny starts taking some hits. Things start to look bad. And in the melee, drummer Silent Charlie finds his voice again, and in a burst of vocal reckoning, causes himself to spontaneously combust, which is a great Spinal Tap reference, which makes John and Ostrander, at least as a writer, even cooler at this point for this story, sort of. Uh, Johnny is taken down in his dying moments. He throws Grimjack his guitar. Reluctantly, Grimjack plays, and as hard as he's playing, just can't keep the battle stage afloat, although the heart of rock and roll is beating in time with his playing. Stage comes crashing down. Uh, Grimjack is on his knees, mutters that he's failed Johnny. Brightly sleeved arm reaches down to comfort him, says, leave it to us. Next page, we see the souls of the heart of rock and roll are released. We see John Lennon, Jim Morrison, 
Uh, Jimi Hendrix, Buddy Holly, Keith Moon, Janis Joplin, Young Elvis, and a Fat Elvis Angel, which was an interesting choice, to, there to defend the heart. So the dream of all dreams for any kind of musician back in the 90s is played out in the next couple panels, and this these, I don't even know what you would call this, this soul band defeats the army. The only thing that's left in the end is a big crater, the Phil Alamo's gone, the heart of rock and roll is there, but the rune guitar is forever embedded in it. And after a few moments to take it all in, the survivors, Big Man, Lady Soul, Excitable Boy, Grimjack, all part their separate ways, and Grimjack heads back to Sinosure to take care of some final business, but is content knowing that the heart of rock and roll is still beaten, even in Cleveland. Again, not my words. Even and that is the end of that. Makes me think of Huey, Huey Lewis. <laughs> yeah, I... I... I thought it was interesting. Some of the choices he had is basically the, I guess, the zombies that came to life. You know, did did you mention uh, Roy Orbison in there and Buddy Holly? Oh, I probably did. Keith I was, Moon. Yeah, trying to get through my notes to get get this over with. I'm sorry. Yeah, Keith Moon was up in the corner. I remember that. So I, 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 I you know, I mean, I, I I'm f- I'm a fan of most of the people who he chose to represent the heart of rock and roll there. Mm-hmm. So I do like that aspect of it. It did have the feel. You know, Bill, you mentioned it for the artwork, but artwork and story alike, it had the feeling of something that should have been in Heavy Metal magazine to me. Mm-hmm. It, it didn't feel like part of a serialized story. It didn't feel like something that would be an ongoing series in any way. It felt like kind of a one shot. Oh, this was a one shot. This came right after there's a 75th. Uh, issue where they had all the versions of Grim Jack, John Gaunt, Clone Jack, Jim Twilly traveling back and forth in time to finally defeat the Major, his arch nemesis. And then coming off of that, I think they wrote this as a just a break from building up. They built up to that 75th for a long run, a good long run. I can't tell you how many issues, but it went on for a while. I think this was their break to let's put something out there so we can reset and start a new story, which eventually started the arc for the complete end of the of the run. So this may have been not only that break between it, but a let's get this one out because we know we're about to end it this year. Mm-hmm. So definitely a, uh, well, oh, yeah, what's the word? Definitely a uh, fill in. A what? Fill in. Yeah, oh, definitely a fill in. Yeah, yeah. Just a, a, a uh, uh, I can't think of it. A, 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 I want to say passion piece, but a, like something they wanted to do and finally just got it out there and done. Well, this has nothing have... to do with the story. They've never mentioned. I mean, the story tells about Grimjack having returning an old favor. There, there was this has never happened before in the comic. So, I mean, that's all that this isn't re- a sequel episode of any kind. Does this version of Grimjack? I see. I, I thought it only went up to up to maybe maybe I only have seventy five issues, and that's why I didn't know that it went up to eighty one. But was it? The, I I remember another series after this. Wasn't there something? And maybe it's this version of Grimjack. About like some type of demon war or something. In that the was title. yeah. That was in the uh, that was during that was a six. Was, was that a mini? I might have the number wrong. It was a six mini series that was going on being released at the same time that Jim Twilly oh, okay. and Jim Jacks were out. Okay. Yep. So I mean, I don't. Yeah, I like I said, my eighteen-year-old self was in love with every bit of this issue. Now there is a big amount of a nostalgia factor for me, and I like the fact that I. Uh, even better recognize some of the people in it, but all in all, just was like I, I kind of, I mean, I, I knew going into this, I might walk out away from it, going that does not quite give me the uh, thrill it did twenty mm. over twenty years ago. So that was we'll the see, price I paid. We'll see if this was written today. 
if this was done and drawn today, it would probably have Kurt Cobain in there. Yeah. Amy Winehouse. Yep. Um, wonder who else would be a good choice to stick in there. All right. So I will just go ahead and rate it. No, no, uh, point in lamenting on it but the cover uh i think that's probably what i like best of all this because that is like him killing off a horde of zombies with a guitar so i will give that a b the internal art mm, it's hit or miss Uh, they're recognizable but uh mm, like i said nothing i'm going to uh uh frame on my wall so i'll give that a c minus the story can only be done in a one shot doesn't move the rest of the comic along i'll give that a c minus as well and i will reluctantly give it a c although my 18 year old self is crying so that's all i can say about this <laughs> yeah this is like a great 80s uh, comic for you kind of you, you know you review it, it back the then yep. yeah yeah well okay kind of so it's a great 90s it's 90s whatever never mind i'll shut up now <laughs> Wow, that, that you just brought the room to a crashing halt. That's what I do. I think the cover is kind of cool as kind of, you know, it looks to me, it evokes that rock and roll, roll feeling because it almost looks to me like a black light poster. Yes. The the color palette for it just really like, I could see some type, you know, some type of headbanger guy having this hanging up in his room. Well, that was, that was me at 18. There you go. So it's not my style necessarily. But I think it really does accomplish what it sets out to. So I'm not necessarily giving it a grade based on my own personal opinion, because honestly, I wouldn't have this hanging in my house. (laughs) But I could see where a lot of people would. And for that reason, I'm going to give the cover a B plus. The interior art, I kind of like the interior art. I think it's pretty well done. It's, It's stylized and it's very specific to the story. I'm not sure, as, as you were saying, Matt, I'm not sure it would translate necessarily to other types of stories all that well. Right, right. Uh, I'm not really a, very knowledgeable on, uh, on, on Flint Henry, but I seem to remember he did the Rune Silver Surfer book, which I thought was pretty decent. Uh, but the interior, like I said, I think it fits the story pretty well. So I'm going to say just a regular B on the interior art. And then the story as a one-off fun story with a lot of rock and roll comment commentary in it, uh, I think it really serves its purpose there well. And I'm going to say a B plus on that. So I'm actually rating it higher than you, Matt. Oh. I'm going to give it. I'm going to give it a solid B. Okay. Oh, and one thing I didn't mention also was when uh, the excitable boy head goes goes flying off. Well, just before he goes flying off, he says. You better, you better, you bet, which is quoting <laughs> Who, and uh, I, I'm a big fan of that album, so that's extra points for me right there. Okay, cool. Well, good. I feel feel a little oh, and, better. And the other it. thing is, they call it, they say, uh, you know, the the group with John Lennon and all of them, they call it the Hell of a Band. Oh. That's that's a uh, that's a, a, a flashback to uh, the Righteous Brothers song, Rock and Roll Heaven. Where they say if there's a rock and roll heaven, they must have had a hell of a band. Oh, very cool. So I don't know if you guys had caught that. No. Because that's you got to be old like me to know that. <laughs> oh, and, and uh, at one point, Big Man says, uh, I think they're talking about uh, Keith Richards at the time. And he says something like, he's so vain, going to Carly Simon. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. So there's a lot of little things like that. I probably missed a lot of them, but I'm still happy that I caught as many as I did. And I yeah. it's pretty solid. It's actually I had more fun finding the Easter eggs and reading the story again. Of course, I knew the story pretty well because I read it too oh, much at 18. And 
Send in the clowns. That's a song too. Send in the clowns. Two twenty-five. That's a, oh no, that's the price. Hmm? What? what about you, Bill? You gonna rate it? Yeah. Um, the front cover. This is one of those covers that. Every time you go back and you look at it, I think you'll find something else on it that you might have missed before. Because I got there's, I think that says the Ramones on like one little tag on his belt, and then I think uh, there's just so many little things in here that you could spot every time you go back. So uh, I mean, and I I do like the way he's swinging the guitar with that green energy flying off of it. I don't know why the Pope is in there, but I love it. So I'm gonna probably I'm gonna be better to your book than you were matt and i'm gonna give this cover um, i'm gonna give the cover a b as well um the interior art i kind of like a lot of the heavy metal art and this i like the feel of this especially that big splash and yeah i don't know what the hell that is in that page but i wish it wasn't there that thing down in the right um, oh yeah yeah <laughs> and i'm i'm a i'm a big grimjack fan not as much as the of the later of the earlier I haven't actually read a lot of the later Grimjack. I've read it probably up to maybe about issue 50. So that's the thing I think that's, but I've got most of them after that. But I like this one off story. So I'm actually going to give the art a B plus. And the story is, 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 there's so many little Easter eggs in the story and the art in here that I'm going to give them both a B, both a B, a B plus and give the whole book a B plus. Oh, well, cool. Well, I did feel bad picking such an odd one for. No reason oh. other than my own curiosity on your show, but I didn't know what to pick. So I, I appreciate you, you <laughs> being the one no, that, mean, that, that, that talks worse about it's, it it's, and you it's guys kinda, being a lot fairer. It's kind of what I was saying earlier, though. You, it doesn't – I don't think it hurts the show. Okay. If if we bring the same stuff all the time, that's going to get a little old yeah. after a while. Oh, this is great. I love that. This is awesome. This is great. But this, this now, is definitely very different from all we know, and, we, and, we, and we're able to appreciate it, which makes it even better. Yeah. Okay. Well, cool. Good. Cool. I enjoy talking about it. I enjoy talking about the other two better, but that's cool. <laughs> I enjoyed all three of them, actually, <laughs> okay. in, yeah. in their own way. Everything's right. beautiful in its own way. Oh, my God. That's what my Did mother used to always it? tell me. And then she yeah, finally admitted I was lying all the time. <laughs> beautiful, except for you, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you for coming on, Matt. I appreciate it. Oh, thanks it. for having me. I'm glad we finally got it worked out. That, that was fine. a lot of fun. Hopefully hopefully it won't be uh, too long before we have you back again. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. We, need, we need to get the other guys on. We have a lot of guys. There's a long list of guys we got yeah, I know. on. But, uh, I know. You know, maybe, maybe we'll have a... Uh, you know, we, we do have the new Star Wars movie coming out, mm-hmm. so it would be kind of cool to have the Star Wars and character guys on for our special Star oh, Wars yeah. episode. Me and Scott Gardner have been tossed around a lot of ideas that we really want to follow through on that isn't necessarily related to any shows we're doing now, so I certainly want to keep you guys in the loop when we finally get that rolling, too. Love to love to, to spend some more time talking about all kinds of stuff with you guys, for sure. Right, well, we'll have to work cool. on that, but in the meantime... Uh, two weeks and two days from now, uh, we're going to get to hang out, right? That's right, yeah. Yeah, ho- hopefully I can be there. Restraining order's off, right? Uh, I can get, I can lift it for the weekend if we need oh, All right. <laughs> Wait till I tell tomorrow. Honey, the restraining order's off. Are you sure I can't go? <laughs> <laughs> You're basically like, uh, I mean, I, for, at least in my mind, for when uh, Galactus stranded Silver Surfer on Earth. He couldn't go be beyond the uh, border, or he would like come <laughs> crashing back down. If you get within a certain go, number of feet of, of of Matt, all of a sudden you'll just smash. Every everywhere we go that day, Bill's just fifteen feet behind. <laughs> <laughs>
that could be a lot of fun. <laughs> you you could like purposely like stutter step and stuff just to throw him off. <laughs> oh oh. <laughs> I'm picturing it in my mind. You know, I, I always picture it as kind of like a sitcom. I, I picture life as a sitcom sometimes, and uh, I'm just picturing you doing that. And like in the background, you see Bill trying to like keep the distance, and him just falling flat on his face. <laughs> <laughs> I just picture that now too. Very funny. Very funny. Make special wonton soup just for you. Thank you so much for listening to our show, and we hope you'll join us each and every week for more good old-fashioned comic book back-issue awesomeness. You can contact Back to the Bins to leave feedback, comments, questions, suggestions, and criticisms via email at backtothebins at gmail.com or by visiting the Two True Freaks section of www.forumforgeeks.com. Back to the Bins is produced in association with the Two True Freaks podcast, which you may find at www.twotruefreaks.libsyn.com and is a registered trademark of DiManzocor of Milan, Italy. All rights reserved. Back to the Bins is a proud member of both the League of Comic Book Podcasts, which you may find at comicbooknoise.com slash league, and also the Comics Podcast Network, which you may find at comicspodcasts.com. Take a moment to stop by their respective sites and support their other fine podcasts, won't you? Thanks, and we'll see you next week. I don't care about embarrassing myself. I do that all the time.